Well, let's get our Bibles out if you have one and go to Acts chapter 17. If you don't, Bibles are in the back. Also, you can go to YouVersion and there are notes preloaded under the Church of Indian Lake. And you may have received a review. There's an outline there and you can follow today's teaching. Today I'm talking about the appointed time, God's appointed time. It's a standalone teaching. God's showing me some things in my scripture, my devotional life to share. I wanna share with you and today is a little more teaching than preaching. You say, well, what's the difference? It's not a huge difference. There's a little nuances. There's a lot of scripture today, a lot of points, because teaching is about getting you the right information. Preaching is often a proclamation. Preaching is often telling you stuff you already know, but you need to hear. And you need to hear it under the anointing. We need to hear it as a group of people. Today, I really believe some of the truths you're gonna see in the scripture are going to help help you understand better the timing of God. Even though, I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you ahead of time, we can't figure out the timing of God because if we could, we wouldn't be so worried about it, right? So the, the timing of God, God's timing is a little bit of a mystery, but we look at God's timing often through a very individualistic lens. And I, I wanna share with you a few things from the scripture about God's appointed time. Now, the scriptures I share with you today are out of the Holman Christian Standard Bible. It's one of many different versions, so it's not uh, better than a version you use, but I think the Holman, the HCSB, translated uh, the Greek and Hebrew, often use the term appointed time. And since I was using this in my, this version in my devotionals, I saw this phrase appointed time pop up throughout the Bible. And I kept making note of that, hence the roots of this message today. And we know that there is an appointed time from God. Now you're asking right away, what does it mean to have appointed time? Let me discuss with you some appointed times that are imposed upon us in our regular life. How many know that when you agree to work for someone and you either sign a contract or have a verbal agreement and they tell you how much they're going to pay you, you're gonna show up, put in your time, take home some money, right? So the boss tells you when to come in. That is an appointed time. We don't get to decide, well, I'm gonna clock in whenever I feel like it today. I'm gonna clock in. Most of us, if the way our work structure is, we know that there's an expectation that we're supposed to be in the office at eight or we're supposed to be on the job site by nine or whatever that is. It's an appointed time. Whenever you, and I know you wouldn't do this, but you go over the speed limit, God's people never do that, right? And our law enforcement officers stop you and they write you a fine and the judge receives a fine and you receive a court date and the judge says, come to court, at this date, at this time, how many know that's appointed time? That's an appointed time that's been predetermined for you. You don't get to negotiate that unless you wanna pay a lawyer fee, but who wants to do that? You go to the appointed time. This Thursday on Thanksgiving, when grandma sets the time for the family meal at 4 p.m., how many know that's an appointed time? She doesn't say come when you feel like it. Grandma's been working on the mill all week and you show up at 3.55 for the four o'clock mill, right? It's an appointed time. 
So those natural examples, the judge, the grandma, the boss, what do these individuals, and we could come up with a dozen more examples if we wanted to, what do they have in common? They have in common authority. So by authority, they appoint an appointed time. By authority, they say this is when the time is. This is when you come to work. This is when you go to court. This is when you come to dinner. It's an appointed time for you. I want you to see through scripture, God has an appointed time for you. And that's why often we are frustrated with God because God's timing isn't according to our plan. Our God's timing's not according to our preference, but we forget he's God and we're not. He's the authority, and so God has set an appointed time, and it's our job to wait and to show up when we're supposed to and to submit to him. That's just part of it. We have grown up in a culture, even an education system, where everything revolves around the student. Parenting, everything revolves around the child. Consumerism, everything revolves around the consumer. And we think we get to custom make our experiences. And so it is with God. God, you have to come. Your timing has to fit in with my schedule. God, you have to come through when I need you to. And our, in our immaturity, we often even put demands on God and twist the scriptures to do so. And we fail to remember he's sovereign. He's in control. And it's not even that because God wants uh, this certain restriction of freedom within us, our restriction of movement. I want you to see through the scripture uh, uh, why he has this appointed time. Now, real quick, let's look at three really quick scriptures that are gonna be so good, you're gonna wanna mark them in your Bible this afternoon. And these scriptures are so good, I could preach a sermon, maybe even a series off each scripture. So I, now what God has shared with me, I share with you. Acts chapter 17, and the reason I say this is the context of all of these scriptures means something, but you're gonna see the phrase appointed time. Acts 17, 26, when Paul was in Athens and he was debating with people of another religion, he, that with multiple religions, he said this. Here's a differentiation with the Christian message from other religions. From one man, he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined, here's the phrase, their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. Okay, this is really good news for you today because a lot of times we feel misplaced. A lot of times we feel like we're not in the right generation. We can sometimes have this thought, well, I would have fit in a lot better in the 1850s or in the 1930s. I'm just misplaced. Scriptural, the scriptural evidence says otherwise. God has you alive today at the age you are for a very particular reason. In addition to that, it's not just about the placement of your years and your age and your generation. He actually has you in the boundaries, in the location he wants you. This is good news because it means here in 2015, as we go into 2016, that you are a child are a teenager, are a young adult, are you in middle age, are you a senior citizen in 2015 and into 2016 because God chose you to be that. You're exactly where you need to be. You're not misplaced. And I want you to know this is, is your timing is so perfect and uh, who you are today and where you are. So don't try to wish your life away wishing you were older. Don't think that you're you're at a certain age where opportunity has passed and your usefulness is over. The scripture says otherwise. You're not misplaced. You're not out of place. God chose you for this generation. All right, 
I told you that could preach, couldn't it? Okay. All right. There's sermon number one. Now let's go to Habakkuk 2.3. Habakkuk 2.3. We are people of dreams. We are people of ideas. And we are people of vision. The vision may be uh, for how you want to decorate your backyard. You want to put a patio there. You, you dream about that. It may be about uh, taking a vacation with your friends. It may be uh, about ministry, whatever. But we're people that part of the ethos of who we are, are. We're people of ideas and visions and dreams. Here's something the Lord says to his people. The vision is yet for the appointed time. There's a phrase again. It testifies about the end and will not lie. Though it delays, wait for it since it will certainly come and not be late. So the Lord wants you to know today too that your dreams, your visions, your ideas, um, there's an appointed time for those. If God put them in your heart, not human imagination, but if the spirit birthed it, if God has given you an idea, he's given you a dream, he's given you a vision, and it's just taken a long time for it to come to pass, this scripture encourages us today, don't give up on God. Keep waiting for God, because it will come to pass. Now we see the character of God. Psalms 102, 12 and 13 says this. But you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. Your fame endures to all generations. You will rise up and have compassion on Zion, for it is time to show favor to her. The appointed time, there's the phrase again, has come. Isn't it wonderful to know that this sovereign, all-knowing, all-powerful God has certain things in store for us and it's an appointed time. And so waiting is not a bad thing if you're waiting on the Lord. His very character, the essence of who he is, says if he's, given, he's placed you in this generation, he's placed you geographically where you're supposed to be, he's given you visions, he's given you dreams, and his character says those things will come to pass. All right, that was pretty good, guys. Thank you, Mike, for saying amen. Sometimes I like my sermon better than you like my sermon. I'm just having a good time up here giving them. Now, Rick Warren, he gave the best, he, he's written the best-selling book of all times other than the Bible. It's called The Purpose Driven Life. And the opening phrase of this book, of The Purpose Driven Life, is the same phrase that Pastor Greg used last week when he was trying to recruit children's workers. Here's the opening phrase of the book. And you don't really have to read the book. You can just get this opening phrase and sometimes that's gonna be good enough. The opening phrase is this, it's not about me. Okay, that's the key to a purpose-driven life. It's not about me. This is a problem because as I already mentioned is that whenever we're beginning, we're wondering about God's timing in our life, we, we are trained through education, we're trained through modern parenting skills, we're trained through consumerism to only look through the lens of ourselves, what we want and what we need. But here's the truth. We as God's people are part of something bigger. We're part of a community. We're part of a people. It's not just about me, but here, here's the twist on that. This is what you need to understand. That doesn't mean that we, we don't ever consider how things affect us personally. It doesn't mean that we, we never pace ourselves. It means this, is that what God does for me today is in concert in, with what he's doing in his people. So it's not a competition, it's a both. And this is something that we fail to see. 
Here's your first point today. I know you're getting nervous because I have five points and I only preach three-point sermons, but, and I've already given a long intro, but stick with me because I'm excited about people being baptized. Here's number one, his rhythm for his people. God's rhythm for his people. When we only look through selfish eyes, we, we forget that God is working through his people and we are one of those people. And so what God does through us affects the whole community. What God is doing in the community affects us. We're interrelated. We are a people. And in the Old Testament, God dealt with his his covenant through a people group. And I want you to look at Leviticus 23. And it's an interesting chapter to skim the whole chapter. But we'll just focus on two through four. It says, speak to the Israelites and tell them, here it is, here's the phrase, these are my appointed times. God said, I've got specific times for my people. People, The times, the Lord, that you will proclaim a sacred assemblies. Work may be done for six days, but on the seventh, there must be a Sabbath, complete rest, a sacred assembly. You're not to do any work. It's a Sabbath to the Lord wherever you live. These are the Lord's appointed times, the sacred assemblies you are to proclaim at their appointed times. So this is referring specifically Leviticus 23 is a summary of the Jewish festivals. And our faith comes, we are rooted in Judaism. We've sprung out of Judaism. And so there's a continuum with that faith and our faith. And this now, for the last few hundred years and even beyond, there's a church calendar that liturgical churches follow. We don't follow it very closely, but we're aware of it. Next Sunday is the beginning of the church year. Next Sunday is the beginning of Advent. And I'm excited, I'll be here next Sunday to preach. So those of you who are in town, bring your family, bring your friends, and let's have church, okay? We're gonna start Advent season next week. And then the seasons themselves. How many know that God, especially here in Middle Tennessee, we're more aware of the seasons as if we, in this part of the country, because there's four pretty distinct seasons. How many know the rhythm of the seasons dictate behavior themselves? We have to wear certain clothes. All of you get your coats out this morning, right? Get your scarves out. It's that time of year. The weather itself, the rhythm of it, determines, determines for us certain behavioral choices. This is what God is wanting you, you to see this, is that sometimes if God's timing is not what you prefer, not what you expected, maybe even what you think you need, he may be thinking about not only you, because he's thinking about you and you are important, but he's thinking about the whole community too. He's thinking about the whole church. He's thinking about your whole family. He's thinking about even all of what he's doing in the church universal. This is, this is a part that pushes it back against our selfishness and our immaturity. And we trust that even though God's timing may be different from what we want and expect and desire, he is working within us because we're connected to a people. And so for him to work in us, he's gonna affect a group of people and he works in that group of people to affect us. These two realities are not in competition. They are in concert. Many times we don't understand community. We're selfish by nature. We see the timing of the Lord only from an individual perspective. And yes, we are distinct personalities. We do have original stories. We do have unique needs. 
So God is working in our personal lives. And so number two, now that we understand he's working in the community, let's talk about really what most of us focus on. Most of us only focus on number two. And it is a reality. The timing, the appointed time of the Lord develops our personal faith. This is true. I've already established that these are connected to one another. In Genesis 12, God spoke to Abraham about a son, a son of promise, a son that Abraham in the natural was not supposed to have. And so God spoke a word and it didn't happen. So what did Abraham do? He tried to make it happen. In Genesis 16, he produced a son through a servant, not his wife, Hagar, and he produced a son named Ishmael. And Ishmael brought him joy. And Ishmael, God's worked through Ishmael because God is a God of grace. And even when we make mistakes, he works through our mistakes. Isn't that a good God? But Ishmael wasn't the child of promise. Ishmael was who God, who Abraham tried to produce in his flesh. Now you can go back and read this later to see what I say is accurate. And so we go to Genesis chapter 18, verse 14. And in chapter 18, God is speaking to Abraham and he says, you're, you're gonna have a son and it's gonna be more than Ishmael. It's gonna be a son from Sarah, your covenant wife. And he says this word, is anything impossible for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will come back to you. And in about a year, she, being Sarah, will have a son. Look at this phrase. See, I'm reinforcing this phrase over and over, the appointed time, the authority figure. God said, you had your own timeline and your own timeline, you produced an Ishmael. But God says, I'm the authority, I'm the sovereign God, this is your appointed time, and in about a year, the appointed time will come, because God has designed that. Now we go to Genesis 21, verse two, and we see, we see the fruition of this promise. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the appointed time God had told him. Oh, in the natural, we say, oh, we need young dad. We, we don't need an old dad. We need a young dad. We don't need a 100-year-old dad. God's appointed time said 100 is better than 25. Because God's appointed time, he had to do work in Abraham as an individual. He said, I have an appointed timeline for you as an individual. Now, see how this is connected. This is great. What did that affect? It affected all of us in this room. Because what God does in us as individuals affects the community. And the scripture tells us we're all sons and daughters of Abraham, sons and daughters of the promise. We are sons and daughters of the appointed time of the Lord. So we're people, we are people that are about God's appointed time because we are sons and daughters of the appointed time. And so Galatians 6, 9 I could use this scripture in every sermon, and maybe I will, because you need to hear it again. It says this, we must never get tired of doing what is good. You know what that means? That means that Christians have always get tired of doing good. And the scripture says, we must never get tired of doing what is good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. It's not a point of time, but it's close enough, isn't it? The proper time, the appointed time, the proper time, the time God's chosen, that God's ch chosen for you. There's a harvest God has already prepared for you. The things God has put in your heart is going to happen because it's connected to his character and who he is. And because he's developing you as an individual and he's developing the community, he is 
causing the timing of the Lord to come in a proper time, an appointed time, and he's saying to you through this service on November 22nd, 2015, don't give up. Don't get weary in doing the right things. Stay faithful. Faithful in the things you know you're supposed to do. Faithful in the things God's called you to do. And you're only faithful and you only don't give up when you feel like being unfaithful and you feel like giving up. And so we're not, we're faithful because the harvest is in front of us. The harvest is before us. Everything God has for us. I, I challenge you, brothers and sisters, don't give up on the appointed time that the Lord has appointed for you. Don't give up on it. Don't delay. He will come through. Number three, I want to share this about the appointed time. And I share this with a heavy heart not with joy. Judgment of sin and evil. We must warn people about the judgment of the Lord. And I want to tell you this, is that our heart is not in the right place when this is a point that gets us excited. Have you ever seen someone, and maybe I've been this before, maybe you've been this before, with fire in their eyes, who say, God's going to judge the world, and they're going to get what they deserve. Just wait. My eyes don't open really big, so I was trying to give psycho eyes, but I have really, yeah. I've seen myself speak, and I'm th I think I'm making great facial expressions, and it's just kind of the same thing going on here. But when we get excited about God's judgment, our hearts aren't in the right place because we forget we deserve judgment. And the only reason we're not getting judgment is because of Jesus. Now, the book of Daniel is very complicated. In fact, the women's Bible study a few years ago said, we're gonna study the book of Daniel. I said, good luck, I'm gonna hide out in my office because they're gonna have lots of questions I won't be able to answer. But it speaks in allegory about the end times and what the important thing I think we need to know is that God has a plan for the end. Daniel chapter eight, your notes say chapter three, but chapter eight, verse 19 says this. It says, I'm here to tell you what will happen at the conclusion of time of wrath, because it refers to the appointed time to the end. So there is a conclusion, there is an ending when the wrath of God will no longer relent, it, it, it will no longer delay. And there's an appointed time for the wrath. Now th this is important for us because we want to judge sin and we want to judge evil. And it is true that the Bible says judgment should start in the house of the Lord. And so we should judge one another with love. But we need to trust that God will make the wrongs right. God will make the justice come. And so until that time, the heart of God is to wait. The heart of God is to see how many can experience his grace so we won't be under his judgment. Revelation eleven eighteen talks about this same reality. If I didn't show you these scriptures, I wouldn't be a good pastor. If I only showed you the cotton candy stuff, then you wouldn't have the whole counsel of the word. The nations were angry, but your wrath has come. This is what will happen. The time has come for the dead to be judged and to give the reward to your servants, the prophets, to the saints and to those who fear your name, both small and great. And the time has come to destroy those who destroy the earth. Now, all of you who love the planet and think that 
God doesn't care about the environment, that's a good scripture for you to use sometime. <laughs> Got real quiet in here, didn't it? I love being disruptive sometimes. We should not get excited about God's judgment because it will be, it will be a negative thing for those who don't know him. But here's the good news. God is relenting his judgment. And here's even better news than that. And this is why we offer communion every week and we sing Jesus songs and we're cross-focused people. We have the cross within our logo. Someone asked me why we don't have a cross in the sanctuary. It's because it's in our logo. That's it. And I don't want to be the one that judges whether the cross look cool or not, you know, so don't make crosses and bring them up here. So that's just, but we are cross-centered people. Why? Because Jesus has taken the judgment upon himself. That's why the cross, every, every week we lift up the message of the cross. Every week we celebrate the cross and the resurrection because the judgment that all of us deserves is upon Jesus. How's that all going to work out in the end to the whole world and who haven't heard the, the message of the Lord? We don't know. God is wise enough that we can trust him in that. But we know for us that without Jesus, we would be under the judgment and wrath of God. With Jesus, with Jesus, we're forgiven. With Jesus, we're free. With Jesus, the sins that we've all committed and the sins that we, we will commit, not because we want to, but because of our flesh, those are covered. We're not judged under the judgment of God when we trust Jesus fully for what he did on the cross. This is good news. This is good news. That's why I'm not, I'll tell you about the judgment of God because the scripture reveals it but I'm not excited about the judgment of God. I'm excited about the God who made a way for the judgment not to fall upon those who trust him. There is a message, the gospel. There is a one, Jesus, who was the punishment for our sins. And because of him, we don't have to fear the judgment of God. We don't have to fear the wrath of God. We're under the favor of God because he was a substitute for us. At his appointed time, he did what was necessary. Jesus coming to the world, the coming of the Lord the first time, which we celebrate in Advent. In Advent, we celebrate the incarnation, the coming of the Lord, and we anticipate his second coming. Jesus came at a time when the world were, was under conditions that were perfect for the spread of the gospel. Conditions in the world were ripe for the spread of Christianity. Something known as the Pax Romana had taken place, the peace of the Mediterranean world and Northern Africa and what we call the Middle East now and Europe, they were all under the control of the Roman Empire and there was peace, lack of war by that dominant force. There was a common language in what we now call Latin. There were good roads between major cultural centers. There was an intellectual curiosity that caused people to look beyond what their ancestors had believed and look to other religions. All of these things were right. The conditions were perfect for the message of Jesus to start with this little oppressed country of Israel. This, this, peop, this Jewish people that didn't have a king and they didn't have an army and they had no little natural resources, but what they had is they had a God. And he was a God like none other. He wasn't like the other idols because he had a name called I Am, Jehovah God, Yahweh. There's no one like him. And the conditions 
of the world at the coming of Christ nearly 2,000 years ago, or right at 2,000 years ago, were ideal for the spread of the gospel. And so it is, the appointed time refers to number four, the revelation of Christ. The revelation of Christ. Look at these scriptures in rapid succession. Mark 1.15 says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. This is Jesus, excuse me, this is John the Baptist talking about Jesus. He said, it's time. It's time for the coming of the Lord. It's time for the Messiah to be here. Not the Messiah everyone's looking for, but the Messiah chosen of God from the, before the world was even created, the eternal Jesus. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says it this way. For he said, I heard you in an acceptable time. I helped you in the day of salvation. Look, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. Galatians 4.4, 4. This, is, this is the most powerful scripture supporting this point, in my opinion. When the time came to completion, look at this, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. In other versions, the NIV for sure, it says the fullness of time. When the fullness of time, the world was ripe. It's like the fruit on the tree was ready to be picked. The conditions that I mentioned to you, and there were many others, said this is the time God had prepared the world for the coming of Jesus. And the world has never been the same since that baby came to Bethlehem. The world has never been the same. Jesus changed destiny. He changed the calendar. He changed the hearts of mankind. He caused humanity to care for women and children. He caused the, the message of peace to spread throughout the world. He changed everything. Titus 1.3 says this, in his own time, he has revealed his message and proclamation that I was entrusted with by the command of God, our savior. Now here's a great personal application to you. Someone you love doesn't know Jesus. Someone you care about doesn't know him. Can I, I just believe this, and I want you to believe for someone you love that there is an appointed time for them for the revelation of Christ. If Jesus brought, if Jesus came to this world at just the right time, someone you care about is still breathing today. Someone you care about is still alive today because there's an appointed time for them. So keep believing, keep praying, keep interacting with them in the appropriate way that's best for them and believe. Don't give up. As long as someone's still alive, don't give up on them. Jesus still has a plan for them. There's an appointed time. How many know for those of us who are Christians here, and I'm assuming many of us are, that there was an appointed time for us, wasn't it? Wasn't there? I don't know if it was, it was when you were a child, you were at vacation Bible school. I don't know if you were at a campus ministry and you were at some type of outreach. I don't know if someone invited you to a church like this and you sat through a service, but there's an appointed time for you. There's a time when God said, I want you to discover you're my son, you're my daughter, you don't belong to the world, you don't belong to the enemy, you're mine. There's an appointed time. And, and I just know that today, some of you, today may be your appointed time. Listen, today may be the day God has chosen for you, where it just, the light comes on. It all makes sense today. He's been preparing your whole life up to this moment. He's been preparing you your whole life up to this day so that you can discover who he's created you to be the revelation of Jesus, the understanding of who Jesus is in your life. Here's the last thing, number five. As the appointed time talks about the return of Christ. The return of Christ. We look forward to the return of Christ. 
Because Christ came once, and after he resurrected, he ascended to heaven. And he went to heaven, he said, I'm gonna come back again in the same manner. And this is the hope that we have. If you're hoping in this world, your hope will be disappointed. If you think the 70 to 110 years we get in this life is all there is, then you are to be pitied and you are deceived. There is more to this life. And this, if this world is as good as it gets, where children are violated by, by oppressors, where gunmen go into places of art and massacre people, where weapons are created that can destroy whole metropolitan centers. If you think that this life is all what it's about, no, the good things of this life, that which is lovely, that which is true, that which is noble, that which is pure, is a taste of a life to come. And there is evil lurking. There is evil here, and there's evil in our hearts, and there's evil in society, and there's evil in the community. But the evil will not, end, will, will not win in the end. Because the one who came once before, Jesus, the only begotten, the only begotten son of God, the one who was eternal, the one who lived without sin, the one who was righteous and holy and loves the whole world in a way that we can't even imagine. He didn't just come once. He's just not a historical fact. He's not a myth. He's not a legend. He's the risen king. And if he came once, he promised he's coming again. If he came once before, he's going to come again. And this is our hope. When our soul sighs and we see another news report and we hear about another shooting at the school and we hear about another child abducted and we hear about another Ponzi scheme that's ripped off the wealth of trusting senior citizens and people moving to retirement and our, our soul sighs and we say, how can this be? How can a person act this way? How can a person be that way? Our soul sighs because evil is real and sin is true and Satan is alive for this short time. But then our spirit is lifted when we know that we have the promised one, the one who said he would never leave us nor forsake us. The one that says you're not going to be orphans that I leave there on earth to figure it out yourself. He sent his Holy Spirit as a deposit saying he's coming again and he's going to come and he's going to right every wrong and he's going to take every bit of injustice and he's going to bring justice and he's going to bring peace. There'll be no more war, no more violence, no more abduction, no more fear of the shadows, no more fear of the night. There will be no need to lock your doors to have alarm systems. There'll be no need to have uh, nursing homes for death will be gone. There'll be no need to have funeral homes where death will not occur for Jesus will bring what is good and righteous and holy and pure. That's the hope that we have today. Revelation chapter 12 verse 10 says, I heard a loud voice in heaven say, the salvation and the power and the kingdoms of our God and the authority of his Messiah have now come. Look at this, because the accuser of our brothers has been thrown out. This is Satan, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. They conquered him. This is you, all right? This is you. This is talking about you. They conquered him by the blood of the lamb, which is the gospel, by the word of their testimony. That's having a testimony. And they did not love their lives in the face of death. This is a, a, not a weak kind of uh, Christian who bows down to Satan. This is one who will give their life for the gospel. That's the type of people who overcame Satan. Therefore rejoice your heavens and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea for the devil has come down to you with great fury. Now look at this, because he, know, he knows he has a short time. 
We're in that time period right now. And I want you to be encouraged today. I want you to be aware of evil and I don't want you to let evil dominate your life or even have a part of your life. But evil's time is short. Death's time is limited. The, the devil or Satan or Lucifer or whatever you want to call him, that serpent, that slew foot serpent, his days are numbered. His days are numbered. He will not win in the end. He will not rule. He will not reign. For Jesus is coming again. 1 Timothy 6, verse 14 and 15 says it this way. Keep command without fault or failure until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. God will bring this about in his own time. Come on, Beth. I want you to stand with me. And if you're being baptized in water today, or if your child's being baptized in water, you can go and you can get them and begin to prepare them because just in a few minutes and prepare them quickly because uh, we want to move about today. We praise God that um, we know we have to really look at the parking lot today because you guys took up all the parking spaces today. How about that, huh? At the 9 a.m. service, you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to do that in the second service, but we'll take it any time. How many of God is speaking to you about the timing of the Lord today? And I want your spirit to be encouraged about the timing of the Lord because God's timing is appointed for you. It's appointed for you. That means it's a good thing for you. God's timing is appointed for you. God's timing is perfect. God's timing is complete. God's timing is good for you. God's timing is exactly what you need and exactly what Satan fears. God's timing has no regrets. God's timing makes perfect sense. God's timing opens our eyes, opens our ears. God's timing opens doors that no man can shut. God's timing protects. God's timing enlightens. God's timing empowers. God's timing clears the way, creates new paths. God's timing puts us exactly where we need to be. Now here's the deal. I don't know where you've been. And I don't know where all of you are right now. But I know that there's a God who has an appointed time for you. And here's what he wants you to hear today. He is worth waiting for. Do you trust him? Our God is worth waiting for. And his appointed time for you is better than your timeline. Amen.